Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right? right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation is really good. Move, get out of there. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host. Patrick Green. How's your face feeling, Jamie? Feeling feeling really good and smooth. Feeling good. It's feeling really yes. smooth, exfoliated. <laughs> exfoliated. I'm proud of you. With love. <laughs> Jamie was doing some skincare before we started recording tonight. That's what this is all about. Uh, skin care. <laughs> <laughs> two, two episodes in a row. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. We're back to talk about engineers tonight. We have this great roundtable who is here congregated late at night. I must say, thank you everybody for doing that. Yes, thank you everyone. Um, I think we're all pretty much in the same time zone, except for Jamie, who's over in the fucking. No, Perry's. I think you're in Central, aren't you? Yep. So it's nine thirty for him almost. To be fair, that's still pretty late. So that that counts, Perry. We'll give you that. Late for a thank you. Late for a parent. But yeah, we're here tonight. Yes, we are. Uh, just want to go around introducing everyone. Um, this is a round table, first of all, uh, a part two of our engineers discussion. We just felt like it was a good time to bring everybody in and talk about these, essentially these creatures uh, that were engineered. No, they were uh, created for Prometheus. Are they successful? Are they not? Uh, do they work? Uh, is there a greater mythology? Do they work as the space jockey? All those kinds of questions that me and Patrick covered that sort of went off into these strange other uh, discussions, which were really interesting. So first guest is reoccurring hive mind host and founder, Dave Gogol. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Always happy to be here. The guest and experience then- is always a good time. Yes, guess, yes. You get the VIP guest. <laughs> right. Because you're not really a guest. You're He's got a, part of the he team, has the but... special like spot in Zoom. That spot where he is, is <laughs> reserved <laughs> for Sweep it out. You know, <laughs> it's, it's been COVID it's prepared. That's right. <laughs> our next guest and part of our team on Perfect Organism is Mash. Thanks for coming on. Hey, everybody. Mash takes care of IG. All of our almost 8,000 followers on IG. Hello. Thanks for coming on, Maj. Maj and I hosted a kind of a mini episode a couple weeks ago. What did we talk about? I don't even remember. Talked about uh, tropes of the alien tropes. universe. That's right. That was a good conversation. Apparently you... not good enough to remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How do you not remember? I remember. I wasn't even on. I, I remember just, it. I do, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm just kidding. No, it was a terrible <laughs> conversation. <It> facial. <laughs> We had all two viewers, uh, which is true. Uh, Perry was one of those viewers too, I think. Oh Perry? yeah, I, wa- I watched the whole thing. 
welcome to the show, Perry. Thanks for coming on again. I think this is your second time. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Happy to be here. Love it, you guys. Perry, did they talk about tropes? Can you verify that that's actually what happened? <laughs> they, we talked about drapes. They sure did. Drapes. I knew it was something like that. Tropes and drapes. Ropes. Tropes we talked about traipsing. <laughs> Ropes and knots. Traipsing through the forest. Um, hey, quick shout out. I, I'm going to do one of those also with Madge in like uh, a week, I think. So that so we're doing those semi-regularly now on Instagram. If you don't follow us, make sure you do. Um, yeah, we're gonna be we might just go live. You might just go live, and you know what's going to happen. Whoa! So, how do we want to set this up, Patrick? Let's talk about the engineers. I don't know. Yeah, this is a very free form, free wheel. Okay, so I, let's I, just. I, I have a wait. To, I have a wait to what was your first thought of the engineers? <laughs> Hang on. No, wait, Dave Goble. So, Dave okay. Goble. So, 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 why yes, Patrick Green? You came up with the podcast. <laughs> so, so the engineers run. What are you inquiring? This is something I know you are very into. It's something that you've written blog posts about. It's something that we talked about in the last episode. No, I've never seen the movie. <laughs> a passion of yours. <laughs> Give us like your overall connection to the engineers and what you think about them. Um, sure. I guess um, when I won't lie, when I first saw Prometheus, um, I always loved the um, the space jockey just from seeing Alien and diving into the the comics. That was always a favorite story of mine. Seeing all the different theories all the comics and book had books had and then when i actually saw it in the big screen i'm expecting this funky alien and then there's some guy in a suit i was like what the i wasn't a fan but then as i kind of got to think about it and watch the movie a couple times i'm like you know what this is pretty dope because actually seeing some of those creatures in the big screen it might have come off a little cheesy or corny but i thought the way they did it worked because not only did they look, as Jamie said, they look they look iconic. The design and the movements are awesome. The cool little like blue hue to them. They were they were terrifying and you know a bit underutilized and uh, since which we could get into later, I guess. But um, I thought they they're awesome. And you could even if you're not a fan of them per se, you could think, hey, all right, these guys are you know intimidating natural space jockeys or you know whatever you choose to believe. And, um, you know, <laughs> I think I think they're great. I think they're a great addition to the whole, the franchise and the, the mythos. And it really expands it in a way that works. You know, they really do a good job of introducing another element, a non-alien yet alien element to the, to the franchise. Perry, what do you think? You've been watching the Furious Gods documentary. Yeah. That eight-hour eight hour documentary. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah which is great by the way i i highly recommend it um even if you weren't a super big fan of prometheus that the furious gods documentary is is um as you guys know it's it's uh amazing um yeah i think for me uh dave a little bit similar to you i mean the space jockey uh, in the derelict was such a big mystery uh when i was a kid and, and watching um, the alien movies and and just always you know that was the big mystery is, is who was that guy what happened where's the thing that came out of his chest uh you know what that whole discovery and wanting to know what the, the backstory there was huge for me so um prometheus off the bat was um i guess i didn't i liked it 
I really love the engineer's idea um, as far as that aspect of the film. There, there's still some things, um, Jamie, I know you and I had chatted with a little bit about that just are, you know, that aren't as um, great about the film, but that doesn't knock the whole idea of the engineers and, and just something that I've been wrestling with um, just watching Prometheus over again. And I think what's so cool about just some things I've read is like we came from them or that's like sort of the idea is that they you know would go around and create these um, you know life on other planets and it's just uh, adds this extra layer like with the black goo and and how they are able to create and destroy and it's like I think of it as like us they're spacecrafts in the black blue black goo is like our atomic bomb right like we go and and uh, can wipe out a whole civilization with with one bomb and and granted these um, beings are so much more godly or or whatever transcend like our thinking of what that might be warfare whatever and they use it in in this completely different absolutely scary way where you're like oh my god and so even if if that is what it is but it's just like you're like wow you're like we're, we're like bugs to them sort of when you think about it and so like the whole scene where like David goes in there Waylon goes in and they try to talk to the engineer and and he doesn't say anything but then he just like almost kills everybody and is like gonna escape um that whole scene was uh what I really enjoyed about Prometheus and, and just the aesthetics and, and everything like that. I loved it. And so, yeah, I, I think there's so much more there to explore and what could have been um, or what maybe could be in, for future films if, if they go to explore that. But um, yeah, generally definitely pleased with um, the engineers and, and that whole idea behind it. Cause I still get, still creeps me out. And it's still like, when I think of it like that, like, they could go to other planets and either wipe them out or create life. Or if they didn't like what they created, it was almost like, like they were, you know, like we're a game or, or we're like a, just a, a byproduct of something they're trying to, to create or, or whatever. It's a, it's a scary thought, you know? <clears throat> totally. Yeah. Maz, what you got? The engineers, they're absolutely iconic in their own right. They're scary. They're some of the best makeup effects put on a mo- put in a movie period they they're also kind of like the embodiment of like of for me being able to to simultaneously have two opposing viewpoints i guess the the big gripe of like oh the space jockey was just a guy in a suit and da 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 like that that'll that'll always still there there's a whatever that's a poor way of putting it there's always going to be part of me that's going to value the mystery more than the answers but the thing is i'll i'll end up sitting there thinking about the engineers and um, all the implications uh, about them and the black goo for so long that then I look up and I'm like, do I love this though? Like, isn't this like so awesome to, to, to think about? And uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know, just them as a conception um, from where they came from or what purpose they were trying to serve and how successful they were it uh overall um as as an as a an addition to the alien universe it's kind of 
one thing, but just um, if you're going to dream up and execute a movie monster or, a, you know, a sci-fi idea and commit it to, f to film visually, um, I don't know. I think they're pretty awesome. I'm, I'm just like appreciative of when things are well-made in film or, or just really something that feels from the imagination and really, um, you know, put, had a lot of care put into it. That's how I feel about them, honestly. It, it, it just rem plucked out of, you know, everything. And I was watching the Furious Gods earlier too, just to like get in the in the zone and see. And also, it was kind of like, do I do I do I want to keep watching this or should I go have a refresher and watch the movie again? And like, is, is there a difference there? Like, in the end, is it about the document? I think that documentary will make you like the movie more. To be honest, you're like, wow. I mean, how can I be mad at this? Yeah, it's almost 100%. like right totally. and you feel all that potential in there and all the ideas they were swimming in and you're like oh oh my god this is like yeah this is everything we want out of a movie and but you know it, it may be a tried to gaslight don't let that gaslight you <laughs> don't oh yeah don't, don't listen don't listen to jamie syndrome. right <laughs> the, the doc's like i'm sorry fire. baby come on i'm sorry here watch this doc it's so you'll be so inspired again it was good wasn't it? it yeah we know it was good yeah <laughs> Watch it again, and then I'll Holloway's watch it again. the best character in this in this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what's you know what sunk Prometheus a little bit? I think is because like they it has also you know what's a really great part of the thing about that documentary? It really kind of shows a viewer what it means that hundreds of people work on a movie because you can under you can look at the credits and that just washes over you and like but that that documentary is so long and it talks to so many people that you kind of understand the different circles of people that work on a film and how many people are needed and how much work they put in and what their work day is like and stuff and like it almost makes halfway you know part, part way through the thing i'm like it's a miracle like this could ever come out good like this is nuts like everyone is is coming to it you know with their own thing and all that but um um yeah i lost my train of thought um, but <laughs> but yeah overall i think the engineers are cool they still it, it's almost like the idea the ideas in prometheus and all that it's like i still wrestle with them in a way of like i encountered them on a path and we're having a stare down and i haven't like walked on and been like all right cool like i understand and i walk on i'm just like still stuck like still trying to work it out and some and you know that's what makes movies last but it's also what make can make movies frustrating so it, it's um again it comes back to that like dichotomy like i love them and they frustrate me a little bit just because but it it's an, but not solely the engineers unto themselves but yeah well, speaking of frustrations, if I could jump in for a moment, something Please. that came up quite a bit on the last one <clears throat> was this uh, this notion of, uh, you know, answers to questions that you didn't necessarily want answered or what may or may not have been answers to questions you wouldn't have wanted answered. And I remember when we put some conversations in Building Better Worlds on this, a lot of people responded by saying, I don't like the engineers because they ruin the space jockey for me. Something to that effect. Um, Jamie and I have kind of pretty nuanced opinions on that. I, I, I personally have gone back and forth quite a bit on that. And I know that my initial feeling was significantly more negative than it is now, especially since seeing the, the you know, documentary that Charles de Los Rica made, uh, Furious Gods, or, you know, by doing this series with, with everybody. Um, I've had time to kind of stew in that and think about what I really feel. But I'd love to hear from you guys kind of rapid fire, like, 
did this ruin the mystery for you? Or like, how did you feel when you got, when you saw what was or not in the chair in the first film? Before not people answer, I, I just want to say that I was sold on the engineers when I saw the trailer and you see something standing in front of Shaw and that's whatever that trailer was. And she's screaming and it cuts and it's the end of the trailer. I remember thinking what is standing in front of her? Cause you just see these legs. And of course I think he's seven two, right, Barry? Um, yep. <laughs> uh, Ian, uh, Ian White, who, who plays yeah. the engineer and that just ominous figure standing in front of her. Um, mirroring sort of the what the Zeno would do was terrifying to me. I thought, okay, these things are cool. Anyways, hmm. go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I it didn't at all. Um, like I said, at first it did, but I think it just brought new mysteries and new questions because then you could, because you know, what were, the, what were these engineers about? Um, were they trying to, you know, are they, were they trying to transport the alien? Were they trying to create them? Did they recreate them? Are they copying the space jockeys? Um, you know, are they like some rogue race? I thought it brought out even more. I thought it really did a good job um, just adding on to a different part of the alien universe. And again, I, it's a shame we didn't get to see more of it, but I don't think at all it, it ruined the space jockey because I could still read the comics and talk about it and not, you know, I'm not thinking, oh, gosh, darn it, that Prometheus movie ruined it all for me. It doesn't. It hasn't ruined a thing. And that's arguably one of my top two or three things to talk about in the alien um the whole alien family is the space shock it hasn't it hasn't ruined a thing for me i'll jump in off that dave i'd same for me i at first i was a little i guess frustrated too and and was because i had thought i was i think i was going into the film already thinking like oh this is gonna connect us to the space jockey and like oh man we're gonna see like where this came from and and uh just doing watching furious gods now but then in the years prior before this just like reading what i was reading about prometheus and and what ridley scott's sort of idea behind it was um to not connect the dots there um brought a whole nother level of mystery uh to me i, I wasn't upset really that it was a guy in a suit and and things like that um and it just brought so so much more mystery to me and it and dave too and i'd loved that's one of my favorite things as well as to discuss with people is is you know how that shit maybe crashed there or whatever however it got there whatever came out of its chest was it still in that ship when kane and those guys went in there and he got the face sucker on him like was whatever came out of him still in that shit that always creeps me out thinking about that but um yeah it definitely heightened the the mystery uh for me and i don't know i don't i don't want to uh i guess speak negatively about I, I can see how people would be upset but i i think if you really watch like that documentary and and just read a little bit more about the ideas behind what they were trying to create and and things like that, you'll you'll just appreciate more what they were trying to present, I think. I'll say, does it ruin it? No, because to be honest, they are quite separate in my mind in a way. It's almost like Prometheus and Covenant are Prometheus, especially from watching that documentary, you can tell it's a it's a very brilliant use of 
source material, which was alien essentially. And, but it's, it, you know, I, I, I don't want to be also like derogatory or um, not derogatory, but uh, um, uh, defamatory. Uh, no, <laughs> um, what's uh, like I need another five dollar word, guys. No, 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 uh, reductive. I don't want to be reductive and <laughs> reductive. say it's like like fanfic in my mind, much like uh, but it's sort of like I <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I'm not that, yes, it's the same chair, yes, it's the same ship. Like, I understand, but it's not the same in my mind. I don't know how to put it. That's how I that's how I'm. I don't know. That's all I need. I'm like, hey, I enjoy this this way and I enjoy this this way. When I try to put the two together, it, it, it's a force for me. So I'm like, why do I, you know, uh, the, the newer movies, of course, like look different. They care about a more expansive world, a more headier ideas. It's like a different, it, it's a different show. It's a different thing. It doesn't ruin it. It's, it's actually really cool. But, and, and maybe I'll say this to anyone listening who hasn't maybe had this revelation if you're young <laughs> of our of our teenage listenership like uh, <laughs> significant preschool uh, listeners yeah yeah if you fit if I hear you... from one more toddler on the floor hey. i'm done <laughs> if you have oh if my you've, god i know if you <laughs> finish making your tiktok content for the quota for the evening, <laughs> if you are done with tiktok for the day and you want to know to take some free advice from an idiot here's my advice <laughs> every it, fiction is fiction it's all fake i used to i remember being a kid and i would read batman comics and spider-man comics and if i read one i didn't like or that just felt wrong or was bad or something i'd be like oh like well, this has to be like stricken from the record what if other people read this like this is bad right like oh my god like that's not the real spider-man that's not the real batman it's all it's all fiction if you it's all just books on a shelf if you don't you know so i don't know i and as an individual book i might pick up off a shelf prometheus is pretty cool in a lot of ways even though you know it's laughable in some ways and all that and that's how actually how i experienced it first was kind of as as a blank because i was thinking about it and i was like you know like i must have been kind of away from the alien films in my teenage years and just like it didn't really register because i remember seeing for my money the prometheus trailer maybe it's just the time and place way it impacted me the hand, it's the best trailer ever period it's, it's awesome the best trailer it's tight. awesome yeah and i saw that in a the theater and i didn't care about the movie i was going to watch after and i forgot what i don't even remember what it is but that trailer completely blew my mind and it's almost maybe because you know, I had seen Alien and I just kind of forgot, but I was like, well, that uh, the elephant thing, that's like, it's like touching something deep in my mind. <laughs> and like, uh, uh, but, um, yeah, but yeah. just to say, <laughs> yeah, the proboscis. <laughs> moisturize, moisturize. So, um, <laughs> uh, like, it, you know, it, it should be said, it doesn't get brought up quite enough maybe or maybe it, it shouldn't get brought up more because it was a funny time weird time when people were like the rapture is coming aliens are coming the mayans and like all this stuff um but i remember you know a couple of years leading up to 2012 and th there was a lot of mayan talk and apocalypse talk and ancient aliens talk it was in the zeitgeist in a big way in my opinion as in my memory and I thought that's what that movie was riding on. I saw that trailer. I was like, oh, they're doing like an ancient aliens movie. Wow. And I'm a teenager and like the visuals are already amazing. And then it turns 
scary, really scary. And I was like, it would be scary. This movie looks amazing. I'm going to go watch it. And then, I, and then I got caught wind that it was like an alien thing. And then the Deacon at the end just confused me. Now I'm on a, on a whole other track. But one thing I'll just tack <laughs> on before I end this rant is I think now looking back, because, you know, you always come up with new opinions over time. I think the Deacon might be one of the more missed opportunities like in the in the movie like that should have been the ultramorph like they originally intended and they could have done some the ultramorph but like (laughs) you know something for you know a more engineer looking transformer doesn't like i never said that out loud before (laughs) i've seen it written down that's funny i was thinking the same thing optimus the ultimate ultramorph is back get out of there there's an ultramorph get down son of a fish Patrick and I though discussed that just that what was in the ship in Alien might not it might be a different form of an engineer. It might be an engineer that was grown into that chair. It might be something different. It looks different. The body shape yeah. is different. It's it's bigger. Um, but the, but that legs... type of can but I'm sorry to cut you off. But like that type of conjecture of like but it's longer. Maybe it's like this slightly different thing. But they're still in the same. Like we know why it looks different why because they Sorry. retconned it that's why that's why yeah yeah because of because of our, our... Up the dimensions on, on the set <laughs> well no but they didn't remember when we saw the we talked about this too patrick when we saw the um the statues of the engineers and you see their arms and they're like way long <laughs> because they have to be to fit in that chair right um it, they don't even look right you don't really you see flashes of the arms here and there but those arms are like another arm length longer than they should be to make that chair work because it doesn't work unless their arms are that long um but i mean i guess it's conjecture but they could do something that could t- t- to tweak it a little bit so it's not actually an engineer sitting in that chair or the kind of engineer maybe it's a difference and i think maybe this is me grasping for straws wanting to retain the mystery because that's what makes that scene so great well the mystery. speaking of different types of um engineers that so I missed opportunities to double segue there is the, the stuff that was cut in Prometheus, which brings me all sorts of anger boiling over the, 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 the rollout. The, the elder engineers that were cut out were awesome as shit. Yeah, right. In the beginning with the robes and handing over the little, um, you know, the, the, the goo from when he, um, uh, when he falls out of himself into the DNA. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. That's another layer to this whole thing. It looked just like the thing in um, Raised by Wolves. The, the I don't know what TV show you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the system, either. Jamie. It's all the same universe. So. <laughs> the sequel I, I wanna... to Charles in Charge, Raised by Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> it really took a weird direction. Now, I want to say, you're like, not old it, enough to know about Charles in Charge. In I know about Charles in Charge. I had TV Land <laughs> as, a, as a toddler. In defense, of- <laughs> I, I, I want to say so, so. Like you know, we can say it's grasping at straws. We can say it's conjecture. We can say it's headcanon. But what I think it actually is is what Madge was alluding to earlier, which I think is a really valuable skill to learn, and it's a skill that I have fought to gain in my life. But now I think I'm getting better at, which is that like if something doesn't work for you, it's okay to like discount it and just kind of like move on. And if it and also if it doesn't work for you, but you want to kind of engage with it, like look for ways to do it. 
knowing yeah. full well that like most of the conjecture that we engage in on this show, on Shoulder of Orion, and other things in our lives, it's because people like probably fucked up somewhere along the line. Like somebody in the art department put did a casting of something and it came out wrong, and they're like, "Oh, I'll just put it in there anyway." Or somebody did an Easter egg and they kept it, you know. And 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 the reality is, is that like. Like, uh, I think, Madge, what you were saying earlier, or maybe Perry, I don't remember who was saying this, but I think it was Madge. You were saying, you know, it's fiction at the end of the day, right? This is all fiction. And like yeah. that, and this, the shit in our heads, how we interpret it is also fiction. It's the fiction we're telling ourselves because we're fans and because we like it. So to me, like, there's no mystery ruined because the space jockey, you know, looks so different from the engineers that we get. And we also get glimpses of other engineer-like you know, species and covenant. And the reality is, is like, is there just, if, if the engineers are seeding planets with life and creating us in their own image, if that's what's actually happening in the beginning of the film, which is also never even answered because it, it never even says it's earth anywhere. If that's what's happening, then uh, like there would be many races and many different species and subspecies and types of life that would be vaguely humanoid or very vaguely engineeroid, right? That would be slightly different from one another. And so it makes total sense that the space jockey would look different. Like it's not probably not the same type of engineer that we see in, in Prometheus. And the engineer and the covenant the covenant engineer suits that we see are, you know, there's a reason why they would look different from the engineers that we see in, in Prometheus, because maybe it's not the same ones, you know? Uh so yeah, to, to me that's never been a huge issue. But it also, it, you know, it reminds me of all these, you know, people who, uh, you know, rightly and wrong. I mean, I was one of these for Prometheus, right? I, I really did not like it when it came out. And it was, for me, kind of like a little bit of a last straw moment after the AVP films, where I was kind of like, man, I just don't know. I do not like the new stuff that they're doing with this franchise. And I'm just going to, like, kind of sink back into my original trilogy self, and I'm just going to, like, live there, right? Um, and part of why I love Covenant so much is because it's the first thing that kind of took me back out of that space. And in, in Loving Covenant, you know, I kind of came, went back to Prometheus and I was like, well, let me kind of like look at it again and use my own headcanon and try to come up with, you know, ways to justify all this stuff happening. And that's also why in the end of Covenant, like I'm not bothered by the xenomorph in that because to me, it's not the xenomorph, right? Like there's a reason it looks and acts different and it's this, you know, protomorph. Anyway, my point being that I think a really good way for people who have issues with Prometheus for people who, because again, when we put this in, in Building Better Worlds, the predominant response was, I don't like the engineers, even though they're cool, because they kind of ruin the mystery for me. The mystery exists in your head. As somebody who's a fan and a consumer of this content, the mystery is yours to keep, right? Um, and it doesn't, nobody else is writing this story for you. At the end of the day, it's your story. Like, your relationship with this material belongs to nobody but you. So make it work for yourself. Um, you know, and for me, like, that means that it is a fundamentally different being in the chair in the first film. And the, that chair in the first film is my favorite moment in any film ever made. And it still works for me because it's not the same thing. You know? Yep. Isn't that interesting yes. that the engineer, like it's, it's working, it's sort of not working. Like people love the engineer, but they're like, oh, I don't know about if it works in the chair, but it's awesome. That doesn't really happen very much. Usually people are like, yeah. no, no, it doesn't work. But people aren't like that about them. They're like, oh no, these are cool things, but I'm not sure. And I think it's, what you're saying, Patrick, I think it's true, but also it's it's a hard thing because we can say, oh, you can keep that mystery, so that means we're deluding ourselves because they're in the movie, in the documentary, you see Ridley Scott in his hubris saying, no, I made it, this is what it is. And you're like, okay. Um, 
And you see him saying the reason I'm making Prometheus is to answer the question of who was in the yeah. chair. Like that's the reason he made the movie, right? Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. from Ridley Scott's yeah. interpretation of this mystery, that's an answer. But yeah. I'm not Ridley Scott. I'm a person yeah. watching it who's and to, for and to years. piggyback over what you're saying, Patrick. There's there's always the arguments, all these forums about canon, canon, canon. It's listen. There is the by the numbers, by the book, Fox, Disney, Dark Horse can. There is stuff, but there's nothing wrong with going with what you like, with what you prefer to enjoy it. However, the fuck you want to enjoy it. It's there's nothing wrong with that. Sure, they're going to have their stuff that's official. It's but that's fine. But you could whatever makes you enjoy the series more. That's perfectly fine. Like short, sure, I don't want to get off a whole rant, but like the whole David, you know, creating the xenomorph thing. I changed it to something that changed it, but I went with uh, he's recreating what the engineers did. Sure, you could tell me to go fuck myself and stick with, you know, David the. Uh, eccentric android poet made this beautiful wonderful frankenstein creation that's fine that's not me i'm going with something else because for me i think it's more interesting and it keeps the mystery going you could do what you want to do that's fine that's what there's there's half a dozen movies with all six of them are completely different we're all not going to agree there's just go with what works for you there's it's really that simple. Don't let anyone tell you and don't go on forums and lecturing people. Well, you see, this is written down. No, 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 no. Let people <laughs> like what they like. That's it. Game over, man. <laughs> so I'm curious though, uh, do you guys think the engineer is scary? Is it is it scary a scary creature to you? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. Terrifying. Like J Jason Voorhees Terminator type shit. It's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah I mean, when I it's just staring like it's just looking at david and everybody that comes into the chamber and you don't know what it's thinking you don't it's yeah it's, it's a really yeah, very menacing very and menacing. it's so giger like it is yeah yes there's a lot of 100%. criticism that prometheus 100%. sort of removes that biomechanical aesthetic when in fact it does not well in some respects it does but then you see this this engineer that's right out of um Giger's alien book where the guy's laying on the ground and it's got the same suit and everything um and i think that's why he's so he works so well because he is Giger aesthetic as much as big chap was and it's pretty amazing and i snagged a quote from the documentary they um one of the effects guys uh, sadly didn't grab his name but he was um talking about something pretty much what you just said jamie but he said um he was talking about when they were doing screen tests um, for the first time in full makeup in the suit and the four hours in the chair for prosthetics, and they were doing screen tests. And the 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 uh, the actor was his name again, Ian White. Ian White. He yeah, was yeah. freaking out, kind of the people on set because he's towering over them. He has these completely void, you know, black void eyes, and he said. Um, the effect we were going—it um, created the effect we were going for in creating the design of those engineers. No. The effect we were going for in creating the design of those engineers manifested itself in reality, which was it was deeply unsettling to see something that was kind of superhuman, kind of vacant in the eyes with blackened eyes, looking down at you, kind of upset at you in the way it in which it felt almost like an angry father or an angry parent was troubling. That's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, and um, another another the, and they are aesthetically like so so well done so yeah that that's gear i think that's a, a strong 
thing that reflects Giger is just the fact that they're um, so precisely, you know, pleasing, aesthetically pleasing, but also not even just like the form they chose to give these engineers and their facial features and everything. I mean, the full design of this pressure suit, the eyes, the brow, just the, the, the whole thing. It's, um, it's a wonderful design, but it is like super, uh, super creepy and scary because he's so angry from the first minute. <laughs> he's never, you're just like, you're so unsure. And then he just tears his head. I remember being so shocked when he tore off David's head the very first time. I was like, what, what, what's gonna happen now? I thought they were like, they just went to meet him. They went so far to meet him. Everyone's dead. What happened? <laughs> and, um, so yeah, they scare the hell out of me still. There's a, and um, that, that scene in the trailer, right? when it's like flashing and it, that that was one of the parts that it, that made me be like I got to I got to go to the theater for this one I got to go see that yeah a big theme in our previous episode was why is he so angry <laughs> like he's just like start pissed and end pissed and it's like what what exactly is going on yeah. some, some thoughts on that but yeah I think and he's we, from New York <laughs> we don't know for sure if he's angry i mean he seems intent but like cuz he goes after Shaw but Shaw didn't blow him up. Those other the ship did, um, but he's probably just going after. He, he was intrigued by Shaw. Yeah, like so when Shaw was asking the questions. Show intriguement. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not right away. Listen, yeah, he got angry. shot at. All right. Yeah. Once yeah. he comes angry, it's like yeah, that's it. You're done. <laughs> yeah. What's hard, I think, what, what what's really hard to do is to create a creature, a humanoid creature that's otherworldly and scary. I don't really know any other, and to have it be authentically scary and original. I'm thinking of other films, like other sci-fi films where you see, maybe they're like monsters, like in Pandorum, when when those creatures come down, those are pretty scary, but they're not really, they're just a whole different sort of type of humanoid creature. Um, but getting like we've seen close encounters and it's kind of neat but it's also kind of cheesy too like you're like okay those are people in leotards waving their hands or whatever they're doing but the care Classic. and the time yeah it's an amazing film the care and the time that went into creating the engineer and having him be that effective it's almost impossible to do it's almost impossible to make something that effective and scary convincing and, right and beautiful and horrific all in the same thing like the only other thing that i know that embodies all of those the xenomorph in its own kind of even more grotesque way i know what you mean about how convincing it is in a way just how many visual yeah you know creature design characters in a movie are are that unquestionable in a way because it's like he's really that tall like they just everything shot so impeccably and that's one thing too I, I that i loved it, that they said about ridley scott is that um they kept saying over and over again how most directors or or not most directors but um nowadays you know they're spending money on the cgi and the special effects and all that and um scott is so practical and making everything so real for everybody that um it just added so much more so much like more realness to the acting because they're like actually there in this place and um two for the for the makeup and the in the costuming and, and everything uh was just real they're actually making that and like that the art form itself behind that um is just what I love about film. It's like it's like looking at a Picasso painting, but you're seeing it happen 
in real time and you're watching it and it's like wow and you can like it is what it is to you and and you can interpret whatever that means to you and that's why i love cinema so much um and that the art form itself but ridley scott just nails it every time yeah the attention to detail the attention to uh, making it beautiful and terrifying at the same time and making it i mean prometheus still looks great you know, it's almost 10 years old now, which is crazy to say, but it still looks like it could have just come out last week. Yeah. To an empty theater because everybody has COVID. Yeah. yeah. The movie's absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. But it's because it's a lot of it, like you're saying, Perry, was done in camera. A lot of it was done practically. A lot of it was done with prosthetics. A lot of it was done with real sets. Um, and the engineers, you know, to go to kind of bridge what you're saying and what Jamie was saying, like part of why I think they held up so well also as a design is because there's so little to them because like they are, they are so close to being human that you don't have to change. You can change a lot of small things to make a very major aesthetic shift. Right. Whereas they, re cause they read like they're simultaneously us and very clearly not us. Right. Whereas the Xenomorph, I mean, which obviously, you know, we all are worship at the altar of the Xenomorph, but the Xenomorph <laughs> is a much more complicated, much more Baroque design. There's a lot more going on. Right. Yeah, yeah, literally, I think we're all wearing alien t-shirts right now. So I think that like that um, is is something else to look at. And I think that um, with the engineers in particular, you know, I think on our last episode, although again, we recorded this 700 years ago, so I, I'm forgetting, but I think I might have mentioned, <laughs> part of what's frightening to me about that ending with the engineer is that like, you get a sense of uh, almost what it's like if, if like a human lacks empathy or something, or if a human isn't looking at you as a fellow human, if a human looks at you as a, as a target or as a prey item. Um, and how that's a really frightening thing. I'm, I've thought more about that since either saying that or not saying it, either way, thinking about saying it. And I think that what's frightening about it is that it's being looked at by a human from the standpoint of a non-human, almost. It's sort of like, it's the way it looks when, you know, we're, you're just like a creature in the forest, like a deer, and you look down the barrel of a gun and there's a human on the other end of it. And you realize how expendable you are to that being who can basically do whatever they want with you and you have essentially zero that you can do about it, right? And that's a frightening place to be. And there's so few films that do that, right? I mean, for, from where I'm sitting, like, and I am a huge monster movie person, as you know, like every monster movie I can think of is basically, you know, we are human in this context and we are at the mercy of something otherworldly or we're at the mercy of something very clearly that's like a sadistic murderer, like a slasher, a slasher movie, right? This is neither of those things. This is something where we're at the mercy of something that is us and kind of isn't us and is just clearly stronger and smarter and faster than we are. And when he takes a step, it is f four of our steps. Like we are not going to win in a, in a fight. And, you know, this is a, a being that can travel across galaxies and, and plant life in them. Like we are not going to outsmart this fucking thing on a spaceship. And that to me is a really frightening place to be in. And I'm going to go ahead and go a step further Hang on. And I'm going to say that, uh, you know, in the original Alien film, we talk at length about how, you know, part of what they were trying to do with the screenplay and what O'Bannon specifically was trying to do was to make men feel uncomfortable, right? To make, to, with, you know, tropes of, of, you know, male male oral rape and things like that and, and, and being, you know, impregnated and playing on a lot of things that men are usually latently afraid of. Like, I'm not, like, actively afraid of giving childbirth in my life, but, like, I'm sure somewhere in my brain is something that's, like, that would be frightening and, you know, I don't think about it very much. Um, the engineers do something else, I think, to men, but I'm sure to everybody, which is it makes us feel very uh, 
I don't want to say it's not emasculated. That's not the word for it. It's something small, about, small, almost like uh, like I. So for so for example, you know, when my wife was doing more theater work, when people still went into you know theaters um, for things, she would always we had a, a, a plan, which is that she, when she got out of rehearsal, she would pick up her phone and call me. So that when she was walking back to the car, I could be on the phone with her. So she would, you know, if somebody was like approaching her and it was dark out, she would have, you know, a loud voice on the other side of the phone. She'd be talking. It'd be clear that she was like in communication with somebody like back off because as a woman at night in a city, like it's, it, it can be very, very frightening. Um, and, you know, I've heard millions of horror stories about this. Uh, as men, like I have never been on the phone with somebody walking back to my car at night. I've never thought twice. I've never crossed the street. I've never been worried about it, but like an engineer looks like me, an engineer. I mean, kind of, I mean, the physique is a little bit better, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> an engineer looks like, like a man. Right. And yet I am smaller and weaker and I will definitely not win in that situation. And it's a feeling of vulnerability that I think is kind of hard to elicit in, in men. And specifically not doing it in a way that is um, like over the top or like overtly like menacing. There's something in the quiet uh, strength and the and how unclear the motives are that is really, really frightening. That I, I can't think of other films that really go there. And I think that's part of why The Engineer holds up so well. The movie, it, it yep. creates dread. It does create a sense of dread, even though it has, you know, kind of, again, you know, mockable moments or parts that feel like they're you know not from the same movie or they didn't quite make the best decision or they went um you know etc but um for whatever reason you know maybe it's some uncomfortable mix of like some of these characters aren't really likable and it's kind of making me souring the experience but on top of it um you know i'm watching people get torched there's no levity and then um, the world's gonna, you know, get destroyed, and there's no hope for anybody. And the person who, you know, um, you know, even at the ex at whatever ex at whatever expense, whatever cost, spend his whole life to get to the alien. I mean, to the engineers, uh, Wayland. You know, he he finally is like it's almost like I don't know. That's a real moment of vulnerability. He's really just standing there. You know, maybe he has a little bit of uh, he. You know, he has a lot of hubris, but it, it is sort of hat in hand, like at the end, at the you know feet of the engineer saying, "Help me!" and um, doesn't go well. I don't know. Maybe there, there there should be something probably to be said that the movie does create like some existential dread. I was just gonna say too. I I know the the script and the dialogue isn't isn't one of the most favorite things, but uh, one <laughs> line, one part that I always love and that just like sometimes will give me chills is when after they first went in the ship and they come back and david is talking to uh halloway around the pool table and he's like asking him like why'd you make me and he's like oh we made you because we could mm -hmm. and he's like how disappointing would that be if um you know they your maker said the same thing about you and halloway just kind of laughs it off but i'm like dude yes like what if we what if that is reality in some way you know and that right there i think is what that whole idea within that dialogue right there is, you know, Patrick, like you said, from Alien, what like really makes men uncomfortable, that sort of thing. It's like what makes humanity uncomfortable. I think that whole meaning, that spirituality behind that, you know, is just, yeah, like shit. Patrick, to a <laughs> point that you're making, when they go into the engineer 
stasis the room or whatever or the, or the one is sleeping and they wake him up you notice everyone's body language they're all kind of huddled down they're all kind of bent over almost like they're bowing because they've stepped into the room for all intents and purposes of an apex predator and it is not them and it's not like a, a giraffe or a or or an elephant or a gorilla where they're they don't really give a shit about people they're kind of like what are you doing we're, we're here and the humans are like okay we're going to go somewhere else and sort of both species parts ways with the engineer it's it's a whole different it's a whole different psychological space that they're in too because it's clear that they are not in control and humans especially men are always in control and it's a great moment in the in the movie i i i, I think that the the last 35 minutes of the film is great um it's just the dread the everything that's happening um, but really just seeing them cower to the engineer, terrified. They're terrified of this thing. And you don't see that a lot in movies. Most of the time it's that kind of Hudson, like we can take, you know, but they were all at that moment, very smart. They're like, we are not in control of the situation. And it didn't go the way that they wanted to. And it killed a few of them, you know, but it's a great moment to see to your point, Patrick, um, not like, humans in a space where we are not the most intelligent being in in the universe or in the galaxy or whatever wherever we think we're the most intelligent beings of you know and it's that dread is palpable and that last 35 minutes could have been even better if they didn't cut that final yeah. showdown yeah between showdown between uh, the engineer and shaw which is Ridley Scott should be convicted for a war crime for cutting that out. Instead of this quick thing where he finds her, she hit the thing, and ah, it's over. They had this tense, almost alien ice, alien isolation-ish uh, showdown. Um, it's even it's interesting as hell when the engineer, you know, reads the book, runs his hand over the the light, and when the girl is playing the violin, he reaches his hand out as if he's like, oh, humanity actually could, could be kind of interesting. You know, it gives him more depth and with um, Shaw taking the shot, her hiding with the axe. How the fuck do you cut that out? I mean, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And it, it gave even more layers to the engineer and it would have made that last 35 minutes even more epic. Yeah, and I'm sure that the argument was for pacing, but like fucking cut some of the previous hour and 40 minutes of this movie. Like there's plenty of stuff you can cut and and, and keep that in there because like yeah, no, he, it works it, so well. It's 2 hours cuz it that's what Fox wanted. He's yeah. he's so proud in both the prequels. Ha. Huh, look, boss man, I got 2 hours for you. Yeah. And under fucking, budget. Yeah. 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 Well, I yeah. mean that's the elephant in the room. I mean, I, I sort of like I the Ridley Scott who created Alien. Does he know in the room? Um, yeah, that too. Uh, Elephant in the chair. The oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the joke I was going for. <laughs> oh, that was the joke that, might, that was that sitting there. Wow. Thank you. I think that's Harry, you're promoted. <laughs> There's a new partner on shoulder. Perfect. Order. Um, no, but oh, now what was I going to say? Um, the Elephant in the room. No, no, okay. Um, you were calling Ridley Scott an elephant? I don't know. 
in Alien, when they go into the ship and they, they're walking to the ship, and when they're on the, the derelict and when they're on the Nostromo, all the time, all that silence, all the, the patience. I think to your point, Dave, it, if they would have given um, the engineer a little bit more of that patience, a little bit more of that quiet, a little bit more of that mystery as opposed to cutting for time, um, it would have been a little bit more effective because I think we're all pretty much agreed that there's amazing things in this movie. Um, it's, I remember when I first saw it and I've said this before, I saw, I think I saw it. Did I see it four times in the theater? Maybe three or four times. Um, I couldn't stop. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, I saw it with my then partner and he couldn't stop thinking about it either. He was like, I can't get this movie out of my head and I couldn't either. And I think that there's a masterpiece of a movie within it. If it would have been given space to breathe and, you know, but I will, I do think, and this is a crazy idea. What if in the Hulu series, it involves an engineer that had landed on the planet? That might be interesting. That's not going to happen. Where does he land? Uh, Cleveland. On your mom. Um, <laughs> the elephant in the chair. There she is. <laughs> Oh, wow. But I mean, the thing is scary enough where that presence of, I mean, if they continued that mythology, and I, I don't, I'm sure it's not going to involve an engineer, but it's so iconic and amazing. Can you imagine like you're at some outpost somewhere in on earth somewhere and you come out or whatever, or you go in and there's this thing standing, staring at you and it's got an urn or whatever. It's, it's It could be a great opportunity for because Ridley Scott set it up that they were going to Earth. They maybe had been to Earth before. That was possibly Earth in the beginning. Not that this is a show about speculation about what the Hulu series is. All I'm saying is the engineer is amazing enough that it could have its own series as the monster um, and also as the protagonist at the same time. It works, it works on the same level as a xenomorph, but also it works as a character. That is so hard to do. Yeah, and it's it's because its motives are so unclear. I mean, and there's mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that come up in the previous episode that I'll get to in a second. Where you know we were really kind of wrestling with like reasons why the engineers had done certain things, and I think it's unclear sometimes even after talking about it for two hours exactly why. And after you know having read you know the art book and having seen the documentary, so there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, but I do think that uh, there's a point I had before I was going to get to that stuff about engineers and about the Hulu series. And about why, okay, so what I would love to see uh, would be a series that is separate from this Hulu continuity, but something else where we see like the experience of another species that the engineers have seeded somewhere. So again, something that's like us, but dissimilar from us, something that has a different relationship with them, something that, you know, would allow for some world building within a tighter construct. Like the idea of the engineers coming back to Earth again, to me is like, does not, there's like no legs to that for me at all. Like I, I, I'm, I don't like, don't, don't want to see that. But the idea, of, and of course, because we know that the Hulu series is going to work, on, you know, is going to have some Earth, you know, bound elements to it. But the idea of like, I, I know people complain about the Covenant moment with that we see where we see, you know, the the Juggernaut and we see the, you know, this engineer-like um, people. Like to me, like, I would love to see the story of those people. I think it'd be really cool to see what that was all about. And and I've never been again. Maybe this is just my headcanon, but I've I've never for a second thought that they were engineers because they don't, clearly don't look like them. They have clothes and they have all this different shit. I, I think there are some similarities though. There's, there's like some, some, 
but there's similarities some, between us and the engineers also like it's yeah but they're really white related. faces like the engineers though you know they're all like i thought it was i thought it was them and i thought it was just like some production limitations in a way or or something like along those lines make up like inconsistency because like just because it seems to follow the the theme all like of you know whatever d aside you know like the the thing goes back and kills god and just like look what i did to their makers isn't that a line doesn't he it's isn't it confirmed it's the engineers it's their it's their citadel or whatever I, I know I know there's well it's obvious people. that it's them it's implied yeah. yeah I don't know if there's a line that says that though mm-hmm. well yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I don't have a point I think David uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be my no, last man, words remind me, right say, remind, me to, <laughs> remind me to say that in 50 years I'm just be like uh, I don't have a point da, 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 da. <laughs> lay, the lay me down to rest yeah, I mean, it can be whatever you think it is, but but you know, to me, and and the first time I saw Covenant, and the first four or five times I saw, I saw Covenant, like they were just poorly designed engineers, and then I was thinking, well, you know, the engineers have been elsewhere as well, and they've you know probably even on their own planet they've seeded different times of types of life. I, obviously, they have because of all the experimentation that was going on. So you know, my point being that I would love to see a series that would explore that idea totally um, 100%. I, I think that would, that would free up a lot of you know we wouldn't have to have like a lone female or male protagonist with a you know with a fucking pulse rifle we wouldn't have to worry about falling into all these traps named shipley <laughs> yeah shipley, shipley. <laughs> alan shipley it has nothing to do with alien i don't know what you're talking about taylor let's go because <laughs> yeah. it would be cool to see that to see something <laughs> that like you know is is just fresh and, and and different you know and we you know we all also just like we worship at the altar of the xenomorph worship at the altar of alien isolation which i think continues to prove itself to be one of the great achievements not only in alien but in video games um, you guys all play that game the weaker does everybody play that game but Jamie me fucking yes. Jamie, i know i'm buying it i know i'm gonna buy it and we're gonna do a live <laughs> a live thing of me playing it i'm gonna be we can all be it. playing it yeah oh, oh my god, god. already laughing we can all be in the med bay who can get out first yeah give me a week <laughs> I, I just can't wait because because Dan and I have been talking with Jamie about this because he's like, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it, I'm gonna play it. Like, I am. I'm gonna play it. Last right time, reaction video, reaction Staring. video, <laughs> Staring at the ground. Play it on easy. <laughs> Is there it's a really easy? hard game? Yeah, there's an yes. Easy. Play it on easy. Okay, okay. So that way you can at least enjoy the story. Oh my god, but I just but the game is watch difficult. And it's like yeah. seven thousand hours long. It is such a long game. Really? But oh. yeah, but but every single moment of it is golden. There's nothing wrong. It's with cherishable. It. It's yeah. Huge. Oh. Um, but the reason I'm bringing isolation up though is to say that to me the, there are weak points in isolation, and and one of them is that like it's just like so clearly following beats from the film, and it's so clearly like just it's very tied to it. And for most of the time, it works as a as a nostalgic thing, or it works as just like I'm just so in love with. I love the story of Isolation too. I'm not complaining about that. But like, it's so clearly close to the story of Alien, um, and it kind of falls a little flat sometimes when it becomes too overt. You know, and I think that like a series about the engineers from a different angle would be would be just be so liberating and fun from a storytelling standpoint. Are there comics? Are there not yeah. in engineers? There are, but they they. They did. It was in Life and Death, Life and, and Fire and, and uh, Fire and Stone, Fire and Stone, and then that that was it. The shit hasn't been explored since, mostly because it Covenant just kind of killed any type of Prometheus story. It's done. There's I don't unless like Patrick said, and hopefully someone comes to Disney and says, "Hey, I have this idea for 
something. I, I mean, that's a whatever. Huge... I think whatever we I... see with engineers, we've unfortunately seen. It seems it would be a huge. It is a huge challenge because it's like. they're they're this character that invite this huge world and questions around them but it's always got to somehow be tied to alien you know it it kind of it goes back and you don't need to they're they stand on their own enough to you don't need to connect it to no i agree completely yeah i i was always thinking and and this is just a uh thesis of of mine of like the derelict shipped on lv426 like what if that had crash landed so much sometime way before prometheus even happened like those things aren't connected and like why do the engineers why are they experimenting with the black goo like what is it really that they're trying to make with it and why is it so why does it kill everything in such a horrible like just a horrifying way and what if like the eggs or something was actually like an old way of those cylinders or something like that? And and uh, what they actually find on LV-223 is, is uh, um, more maybe more of an advanced version of that, if that makes any sense, just from like the organic totally. to the, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. we don't know when yeah. that ship crashed. Yeah, right. That's what I love. There's still that mystery there. Totally. And in the Furious Gods, they're, they're, when they were going through the artwork and explaining kind of the idea of where they were trying to go with all these designs that like Carlos Wante and all these people were doing was that they were trying to, in their words, I'm paraphrasing, like reverse engineer the xenomorph and be like, these are sort of the steps, the iterations that were leading up to it. And that's why it's, you know, whatever, white or fleshy or more, you know, it hadn't reached the perfect organism stage yet. That's why I, I was like, oh man, that protomorph thing could have been really cool. I mean, not protomorph, uh, ultramorph. Ultramorph. Yeah, the, the yeah. Megatron. <laughs> yeah. Megatron. <laughs> could have been awesome. <laughs> but that's why, you know, I was saying way earlier about how many people are on a film and how many decisions need to get made. It's like they're making a, a movie and movies have actors and they have so many moving parts that it's like decisions like Fifield and what his final uh, monster form ended up being kind of like that was decided by them saying, well, we're liking what this actor's doing. We want his face to be more prominent and we can't, we like sort of build it on top of him, but it just created this sort of question inconsistency of like, well, what happened to him? He got the stuff on his face, but he became this and da da da. There's a lot of editing questions in this movie. Google has brought up a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. That to me, Fifield has always been one that like we're not here to no, talk yeah. about Sean Harris. But, like that's always been a sticking point for me. Oh yeah, we like gets back to the ship and all that, and it's like yeah, there's a lot of like just logic inconsistencies there, but also just it, like they had this great design for his you know beluga transitional stage, mm-hmm. and then they just you know like, Fifield. Shit because yeah which was really cool and then they ditched it because of his performance like you're saying Madge. um and he's a great actor like i I get that but but it just doesn't work because it's like a it's a decision see this is what's tough is that like when you're making something new and prometheus for all of its flaws is i think genuinely new at least in terms of alien i think it's 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 like there are stories that are similar but it really tries a lot of new things out if you don't have everybody like a hundred percent on board that vision then a lot of the decisions especially during post-production that get made are decisions that like are not going to be synced up with the original film. The Ridley Scott that and this is sort of a Jamie point, but the Ridley Scott that made Alien, 
like he was in the editing booth like for fucking hours going through it the mm-hmm. entire time with the full multiple shots and, multiple yeah, and takes, takes and, and really putting like all this time and like fighting f- to death to get final cut privileges for it right like trying as hard as he could to get things to he had a fight like hell to get a fourth act put in there like he 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 like was playing every game he could with the studio heads and this is a guy with a lot of capital like this is a guy not just money but like a guy who although he'd only made one feature film was like a really established commercial filmmaker and fox was eager to work with him and he had to fight tooth and nail for months to get basic decisions across the ridley scott that makes prometheus is a ridley scott who um is also about to move on to six other projects right and I don't think he rushed the filming of it. I don't think he rushed the pre-production of it. I think that he actually like really relished that experience. I think for him it was a labor of love. But I think that kind of as soon as it wrapped, he more or less was like ready to get on to other things, like the counselor, like to other projects. And and I think that that was somewhat to the detriment of the of making a holistic artistic thing out of this. Right. A lot of the deleted moments in this film, many of them have already come up are things that to me would have like reinforced the artistic voice of Prometheus. Fifield should have been scarier. And like the 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 alternate version that we have of, of him is much more frightening and much makes a lot more sense, I think, to me. Um, but also like there was supposed to be more time between his infection and when he comes to the ship. And there were all of these other things they just kind of cut to make the film move better. And I think that Prometheus and I think Covenant suffers from this too. You know, for all that I love of Covenant, I think that there's plenty of things to bones to pick with it, and that's one of them. I think, I think it was made by a guy kind of in a hurry, um, and a guy who made by a company man, right? But right. I think it's like the old Ridley <laughs> Scott. Like he was like we said at the beginning. This whole Prometheus was made because of engineers. This this was it. He was obsessed with it. Yeah. He'd been waiting, you know, x amount of years to talk about it, and then he made Prometheus. And Covenant came around, and you know, he's all these quotes of, you know, about the aliens is what they wanted, just all put it in. The old really Scott would have said, Fox, stick it up your arse. I want to do a film, I want to continue about the engineers, continue about this. You don't like it. I am walking away. This is what I'm doing. This really Scott said, All right, we'll do something with the aliens. You know what? Fuck you. My new obsession is David. So <laughs> there's your creation for the aliens. I'm making my movie now. You know, it's he's he didn't stick to his guns. Like he completely, you know, as original and new as Prometheus was, Covenant was a, you know, a reboot, rehash thingy. You know, it's he's not the mind's there, the creative is there, but in terms of sticking to his guns, it's not there anymore. I will say though, to Covenant's credit, it feels more methodical. It feels yes, absolutely. It feels 100%. like it's investing yep. a little bit more into the character that yeah. I don't feel like it's mm-hmm. boom, boom, planet, this, yeah. that. Yeah, it yeah. Just feels like monitoring with these people, even I though agree. some things probably in the last act or whatever that we've all talked about before. Not that we want yeah. to get into this, but I think Ridley Scott took some. He took some criticism and you could feel it. You could feel mm-hmm. that it feels more thematically and tonally in, in line with Alien, which for oh, me is a, better, it's a better view. Like I enjoy it Fair better than, than Prometheus, even though I think Prometheus is a better looking film. Yeah, but, but, so, but the flaws in Prometheus to me, what's interesting in comparing these two movies, which I don't want to do because we're here to talk about engineers and we got to wrap soon anyway, but, but just from a high level to me, like, there are flaws in both of these movies, 100. percent 
The flaws in Prometheus, though, feel more unforgivable to me for some reason. Totally. They feel like fundamental screenplay flaws that like just should not have made their way to the final cut of the movie. The flaws in Covenant, to me, are more like opinion. They're like, I was looking for this, and it was too much of this, or it felt like it was oh, like, yeah, a like couple the, different ideas. Playing the Prometheus theme song is really a forgivable act. <laughs> yeah, like you, you can pick things to complain about, and they're they're valid. It's fine, but with Prometheus, like there are things like I can't watch Prometheus with the sound on still all the way through. I I just can't because I get too like frustrated by it. And it's just and it's weird because there's so much great in Prometheus. There's so much in it that's brilliant, and it, but then the mistakes in it to me feel just like so giant. And it's just it's interesting. Anyway, we're not here to like, talk about Prometheus. Uh, well, although, although Perry and I were talking earlier today or yesterday or something and we're talking about the script for prometheus and we're like how did ridley scott read this and think oh it's ready yeah yeah i worship the movie yeah. but the script um yeah, yeah. i really yeah. can't other than there's there, listen there's some scenes where the writing clicks and you see that like you guys said the magic of what they're trying to do it shines and the times you're like um yeah i'm a big fan of these movies like am i watching uh, friday the 13th movie yeah it's just, uh, it's, it's just it's so up and down. it comes some of it just comes very awkward and yeah. very just like you said how how did this get proved i don't i don't understand it's as yeah. someone who to, loves the movie it's like come on back to the engineers though i think it would have been interesting i mean in, in a different world for sure but um or a different maybe if an engineer would have been on what planet are they on? Or J6? What's the name of the planet they're on in Covenant? Or J69? Planet 4? Or 69. <laughs> yeah, planet... Is it a planet 4 in Covenant? Planet 4? Planet 4 play? Yeah, planet 4. I didn't even know. I think I, uh, an, it would have been, even been interesting if they would have met an engineer as opposed to David. Um, okay, but cool. I think they're that iconic. Mm. I want to see them, to your point, Patrick, I want to see them again. I hope we do see yep. them again. I hope yep. that there's yep. some type of, I mean, uh, I, I would even watch, as long as the effects were great, a great fan film starring an engineer. You know, that's yeah. how interested in these there's creatures. So much more to explore with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. they, he, so he kind of does work well though is just like we we only you know we we briefly see a few at the beginning we see the head from the the the, the helmet but we kind of really only meet one and he's just big and imposing and becomes you know for lack of a better term the villain would you do you want to see them as characters do you want to see them like interacting and be characters because they it does work so well and i think he's it leaves such an impression because um it, it's just uh you know, big and scary. I would, and I would watch a movie where they don't need to talk. They just need to, no. they don't seem like talkers. <laughs> right. They don't, they seem like they've evolved past talking. Um, I know that there's a cut scene where like David is interpreting what the engineer is saying. But honestly, if I imagine a, a, a film or a show or whatever about them, I don't ever hear that. I don't ever think that we'll hear them talking. I think that removes some of the mystery. Um, I don't know how it would happen. Um, I'd have to really think about a, a good story, but they are so imposing and intimidating just as a presence. That's all they would really have to be. Um, and they could be going about their ship or whatever they're doing, whatever the plot would be. And uh, I would be glued to the screen, glued to Yeah, me too. You know what a studio exactly They bring out here? their recorders. 
That's how they talk. Oh, God, I hate it. I hate it. Ultramorph, I'll do the fingering. There's no better pitch for a network television show than a bunch of silent aliens from a prequel film that don't actually have dialogue and no discernible motive walking around. It would be a hard sell, but would I love to see that movie or that show? Fucking yes. Like, sign me up for that. Um, Just to clarify, yeah, so it is Planet 4 and Covenant, but they're on the way to Orgai 6. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, I, I going back for one second. Uh, to me, like there, you know, we can pick apart issues with the with the prequels. We can pick apart issues with Prometheus all day long. But like something that I think I I can't pick an issue with is the engineer. To me, that is something that shines so brightly from Prometheus for me. That's yeah. something that like I have mm-hmm. complaints about as a part of our fandom canon, as a part of our conversations as a part of our fan art. I loved those those Fire and Stone and Life and Death comics. I thought they were super fascinating. I love that we have conversations about this totally new addition. I mean, it is totally new addition to the franchise. I love that it sets up moments in Covenant that to me are, are poetic. I, I, I love that they're still a, mem- a part of that film, even though it's downplayed a lot. And I love how, you know, even though we probably have seen the end of, of Ridley Scott's alien journey, uh, I, I would assume at this point, uh, we... That, that journey continues very much in the hearts and the minds of all of us around the world who who love these characters and the engineers to me are exactly that like i i will never forget uh how frightened i was of them i'll never forget how beautiful i found them to be i'll never forget the poetry of that opening sequence you know which i i, I still think is some of the best filmmaking in the whole entire franchise um and i'll never forget like what they what questions they made me ask about myself as a human about my own notions of primacy and, and about you know my own place in the universe, about how small or how huge I am in the insignificance or the significance of the things that I'm surrounded with. Like the engineers make us ask very deep questions of ourselves. Um, and it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to do that in general, but it's really hard to do that also in genre filmmaking in a franchise that's existed for over four decades now. It's like hard to keep finding new questions to ask us. Blade Runner, of course, is a great example of a, of a franchise that does that better than about anything else. But um, Alien is still doing that, you know, for, for something that was, you know, sort of thought of as a movie of the month or monster of the month B movie almost when it came out. Um, it has gone on to become like a philosophical, uh, you know, bulwark of conversation around the world. And the engineers like revivified that. The engineers totally like kicked that into high drive and made us start asking new questions again. And of course, everybody was like, oh, it's not an alien movie. It doesn't belong in alien, like blah, 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 blah. And then here we are, you know, almost a decade later. And like to us, this feels very much like Alien. This feels very much like part of the conversation. Um, and I, you know, I treasure that. I, I treasure the mystery. Perry, you were mentioning earlier about how, you know, a lot of the things like the black goo, the black goo for example, like why does it have those effects on different creatures and different life forms? Like why is it simultaneously a creative agent and a destructive agent? Like what, what even, what, why does it exist? Is it the Shogoth and Lovecraft or is it something else? Like what, 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 what does this represent? Um, and those questions are not answered and they're not answered probably primarily because they can't get another movie financed. And so he's not going to have a chance to answer those questions. <laughs> I, and to that, you know, I used to be so upset about that idea, but to me now I'm thinking like, that is great. Like, let's just like allow this thing to keep being made in our hearts for decades to come. And like, let's like make up our own dreams about where, where it goes from here. And like, let's keep it mysterious. It's okay. You know, I, I think the engineers are 
are fascinating and frightening and beautiful and, and a, a really worthy addition to Alien for me. I agree. agree. Yes. <laughs> I, for one, agree. <laughs> Hear ye! I'll buy your Prometheus film. Um, well, you know what? I agree with I, those words. It just, um, they, they, they represent um, sort of a, an idea or a feeling that you can tap into when you're feeling a little your mind's a little expanded you're feeling a little like like there's more to the universe than we than we know of course there is but there for me it still hits where the scene before things start to get even really silly even though they rush through the trip to um lv223 even though you know they could have maybe spent more time and made it feel like it was this long journey to get to our ancestors or whatever but to think that you could get in a spaceship and go so far to the other end of you know across galaxies and galaxies and then in one pinpoint in just like you know a single you know tiny little point of the of this never ending universe there's a room you can go in where they're you know they go so far into the abyss and then find they get to a point where they walk into a room and there's a giant statue of a, of a human head and like that messed me up and it's still a powerful scene for me of like that's waiting out there so far like it was something like um what's the saying um to be great is to go on to go on is to go far to go far is to return something like that it's sort of i don't know it touches something where uh the the mystery and that sort of adventure feeling of just like we're so far from home and we're getting answers to we're seeing things we shouldn't see that feeling um you know they they definitely captured at least a good amount of that in the, in the film even though you know they captured some other funny things too but but yeah in the canon of and now they're in the canon of sci-fi films and they're one of the best, most well executed creatures um, most thought-provoking, most, you know, argued over. And, you know, that's, you know, that's a funny thing when people are like, oh, love your haters. And, you know, if you don't have haters, you're not doing anything right. Like, you know, <laughs> that can be kind of a funny, silly, sophomore, you know, juvenile attitude. But uh, but it, they, they cause conversation and they they become the conversation. So, yeah, they're, they, are, they are what they are. They're here whether we like them or not. And I like them, so. Well, that's probably a good place to wrap it. Don't you think, Patrick? Feels good to me, unless anybody's got any more uh, anything else you want to throw in there. In case anyone wants to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just say for the whole community, alien fans and and uh, what have you, it, it's just um, it's it's all up to our interpretation, and and we're literally seeing Ridley's painting of you know what our gods could be or who our creators are and he he's putting that out there to um just let us sort of sit in those mysteries if we want to and and think of um what levels or, or what better clear understanding or or maybe what muddles that but to just appreciate that and and i just that's why i love the engineers because it, it's so it just adds that extra dynamic and and really can lead you down so many more rabbit holes of of uh you know where the whole alien franchise has has come to be so 
um, I just hope people will appreciate it. And, and maybe that does take some time. And now, you know, who knows if we were having this conversation a year after the movie would have came out, if, if we would have, you know, be at the same, um, you know, t- talking the same way about it, but, but it's just great. Like, I, I just think his films just like Blade Runner and, and, uh, the science fiction films of those times are still so timeless and yeah. I, I just love that. So I hope people can, can just keep loving it. And, and, you know, hopefully in another 10 years, we're still doing perfect organism podcasts and, and we have some crazy new understanding. Yeah. Jamie will be in a nursing home, unfortunately. I'll be, I'll be Peter Wayland on the Prometheus. (laughs) (laughs) Hit my tea, David. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, actually, hang on. Before, be before, we, before we wrap, before we throw it off the goal, <laughs> final thoughts. I want to say I don't know if anybody has watched the new Animaniacs series. This I know this no. is about as as out of left field as anything could be at the end. Mm. There's a very clear Covenant reference in a Pinky in the Brain uh, segment, and like the fifth episode of it, where and Micah was the one that pointed out. She's like, "This feels like the beginning of Covenant." And I was like, "Why the hell would Pinky in the Brain be spoofing Covenant on an Animaniacs episode?" And then and then he's like bring me the tea <laughs> and he goes ambulate and i'm like holy shit get real away sequence. yeah i gotta the, the idea is that brain watch that on creates... hulu immediately after this yeah, well, yeah i'll I, check I, that I, out I'm too i'm not sure which episode it is but it's like four or five but brain creates a synthetic version of himself and oh that's hilarious to life and and the first thing he has to do is ambulate and i'm like oh my god this is fucking and then like this it like goes for a long time so watch that if you if you're that's wondering awesome. whether or not these sequels have like made it into these prequels have made it into like broader consciousness like it's in a fucking animaniacs episode right now that's awesome yeah anyway, go, go, go. Kick, we'll kick it off right. to close this out go from uh animaniacs to my clothing thoughts yeah, on the engineers yeah, <laughs> all of you guys. I guess um, don't want to repeat what you guys said, but um, I'm with you. The engineers are fantastic. I hope we have not seen the last of them. Um, I've had this long-standing guess that the stories will continue. Just I don't know, comic books or a graphic novel or a novel. Assuming there's enough interest in it, where Disney goes, all right, go do something because it's at least something that's a part of the alien franchise that's different than the you know the the standard creatures and corporate and you know survivor stories we or military stories we get uh it'd be nice to have just a section with the prometheus world where we're seeing the engineers what they were about you know other civilizations or um you know whatever um seeing their story i think would be a different almost genre in the alien genre, so to speak. I would just love to see it continue somehow, some way. I know I think they deserve it. I think they were too iconic to be kind of tossed aside in the in the sequel and overall just kind of forgotten about. So I'm hoping, you know, we get more of them. Amen. I hope so too. Agreed. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, thank you guys for being on the show. Dave, Perry, Mash. Patrick. No. <laughs> um, uh, we look forward to uh, discussing this more um, as we continue our uh, series on Prometheus. Yeah, head over to Building Better Worlds, join the conversation. Quick heads up. Remember, our Patreon level is rising for the base access. 
but you'll be grandfathered in if you sign up now at the $2 rate for all the additional content. So if you've been on the fence, you have until, what the fuck is the date? March 15th or something? What is it? March 1st. March 1st. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what month it is. It's February right now. Okay. That's true. Out, like February. February. This might actually, by the time you hear this, it might be too late. In which case, <laughs> that's true. Actually, will be because that's be three weeks. It will be too late. Yeah, so, so, so okay. Well, four dollars. Sorry, you fucked. If you're not already, if you want more of my insanity, check out me and my uh, Motley crew at a uh, Hive Mind Xenomorphing podcast. Check out the the site, the Facebook page, everything for something a little a little different from Alien Fandom. The craft beer. What is it? The craft beer. The craft brewery of craft Alien brewery. Fandom. Of alien fandom. And me, the Billy Butcher <laughs> of alien fandom. Love it. <laughs> Please also check out the perfect organism only fans. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> that would be called Imperfect Organism yeah. slash only fans. <laughs> imperfect organism. Before we started fucking recording. <laughs> Thank you guys. This is all right. Great. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Thanks you guys. guys. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.